Hello and welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. My name is Trey Gonzalez, and today we have a very special guest on a kid with a passion for the sport of football that's going to take him all the way across the country to a college in Massachusetts. We're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about his experience as a Carlsbad caveman here in the state of New Mexico. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about sports marketing, which is really cool because it's not in the sense of selling tickets. It's not in the sense of selling gear and apparel and all of that stuff. It's in the sense of player marketing and getting yourself out there to get more recruits to pay attention to you and get more offers into your your inbox. It's almost like a life hack podcast at one point in time, but Ramon does a great job of explaining it and talking about where he plans to be in the next five years. And uh, it's really, really cool. So without further ado, I'll stop talking your ear off. Let's get into it, guys. Uh, Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at All Sports Best. Hit that subscribe button while you're at it. And let's get into that interview with Ramon Loya. What's going on, guys? We are here with Ramon Loya of the Carlsbad Cavemen football squad and a uh, now actually a future mammoth, which we're going to get into really soon. But Ramon, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for being on the show. Always appreciate that. And uh, we always talked about like maybe having you on the podcast and stuff like that. So uh, now we're here and I get to dive into you moving forward with your future, which is going to be far, far away, which is crazy. But let's go ahead and start off with, you know, playing for the caveman and stuff. What did it mean to you to be a Carlsbad caveman football player throughout your your high school career? Oh, man, like words can't even describe it. I just remember being a kid, um, just going to games. I, I used to go to a lot of games as a kid with my dad, with my mom, just watching in the stands, you know, growing up, running around the bleachers, throwing the football. We weren't really good growing up, I'm not going to lie, so I didn't get to see a lot of wins, but it was still pretty cool whenever we did win. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever just to see him walk out. The band was playing. Um, it was night, chilly air, the way the silver helmets looked. It was just all It's like watching it. For me, it was like watching an NFL game and growing up and finally playing for Crossbed and like putting on that blue jersey. It was it was an like an unreal experience for me it felt like deja vu felt felt like i was in a movie every time i like walked out onto the field and i heard the band playing and i felt like i felt the same things i felt as as a kid so it really was an unreal experience that's a really cool way to describe it i think a lot of people would just say oh it was a family you know uh it was fun to play football and that kind of thing but you really brought it around full circle from when you were just a little kid which is which is unique that's really cool All right, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about your position, stuff like that. Like, how do you, how did you prepare as a left tackle for each and every game? How did you prepare yourself for one to to compete in high school, and two to be somebody that is going to appeal to a college coach at the next level? Yeah, so definitely being a left tackle is probably one of like the most important positions like out there. You know, you're. If you have a right-handed quarterback, you're going to be the quarterback's blindside tackle. And to prepare for just like in the offseason, working out, got to work a lot of lower body, a lot of uh, lateral movement. You're going to be moving a lot side to side. Um, you're going to have to pro- practice like your drop step. I did a lot of drills over the summer where <clears throat> I practiced my kick step, which is like the drop step for yeah. pass protection. 
which I got really good at. I, I didn't let up a sack this year um, when it came to pass protection. And when it comes to run blocking, you know, you have to have that drive to um, to kick out those DNs because as a tackle, you're most likely going to be going against guys that might be smaller than you but are definitely going to be faster than you. Mm. So you're going to have to have that speed. You know, for games, like fall, like if I, were, if I had a game on Friday – I'd start to get to know my opponent on Sunday whenever the scouting report got released. I would see the DNs I'm going up against. Sometimes I'd be going against a little bit bigger guys, so I knew it wasn't going to be much, like too much of a speed challenge versus sometimes I'd be going against guys that were super skinny but really fast off the edge. Mm. So I knew that it was going to be like a tough week like because I would have to really focus on pass protection and uh, getting out there and not letting the guy get around me. So just practicing against the type of person I was going to go up against. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helped. That was the way I prepared. And most of the time it worked. Um, you got, I got really good looks in practice just thanks to my team, and it really translated to games. In football, it's a lot different than a lot of other sports. Like film will definitely help you in basketball. Uh, film will sometimes help you a little bit in baseball. There's other sports that you can get filmed, but football, it's, it's like your night and day, right? I mean, that's exactly what you have to be focused mm-hmm. on. So that's kind of how you would dive into what these kid guys would be doing. Right. Would you study tendencies too? Yeah, it, it's definitely tendencies is one of the big things that I, I like to focus on. Um, really. I think the way you can look at the game is sometimes as the way I like to the way I like to describe it is if you're a lineman, you focus on what linemen do. Mm. If you're a quarterback, you focus on what the secondary does. But if a lineman, as me as a lineman, what I would look at sometimes is okay, they have one high safety, which means they're probably bringing a backer down to blitz. Which a lot of teams we played were blitzing teams. Um, DN sometimes if he had a certain foot in front of him versus like the other foot, mm. it means he was coming hard off the edge. Or sometimes whenever he had like a little more, little bit more relaxed in his stance, means that Meno is going to be like a zone blitz, which means like a cornerback is going to com- come off the edge, and that guy's probably going to go into coverage. And later on into the year, we played teams like Volcano Vista, which they ran a three three five and a lot of zone blitzing stuff when they would drop linemen into coverage or they would bring three guys off the edge, like a really big stunning defense. So sometimes even looking at a defender's body like. Um, body language was really important in seeing like their tendencies. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So you really dive into the sport. I mean, obviously to play at the next level, you have to really have a passion for it. It sounds like you really not only have a passion for it and love the game, but you also really take it seriously. Um, Whereas, you know, in high school, sometimes it's easy to get a little bit um, to where you're not maybe careless, maybe a little bit lazy. How did you stay focused, especially through COVID years where, you know, there was those uncertainties that happened throughout your seasons. Yeah, I, I just remember whenever COVID hit, I was a sophomore and we were kind of going through our offseason program and everything was going really well. I was having fun with my teammates. I wasn't really too football focused at the time. We were just kind of just doing team bonding again. Um, all of a sudden, COVID hit. Uh, we had that three-week hiatus in the spring, like the, the extended spring break that turned into like two years. Yeah. So... I, for me to stay focused, it really I really relied on my teammates. I we I just remember in the summer, the that very summer where COVID hit, uh, we would get into groups. Where we had our like little groups that our coaches assigned us in, and we would go out in the mornings and run along the beach to kind of just stay in shape. 
Uh, and we would we would live together. We would go eat together. Um, I mean, the restaurants weren't really open, so sometimes we just had to take takeout out. Yeah. But yeah, we we would run, we'd eat together. Um, we really try to stay together as a unit. Uh, we would keep in touch with each other. We'd hang out with each other, and just like surrounding myself with that that football atmosphere and um, just watching film. Like I watched a lot of. I played a little bit of varsity my sophomore year about four or five games like towards the end so i watched the film from that year from my sophomore year uh try to see what i could improve and i mean when you have like two years to watch like one like five games worth of film you notice a lot of things that you're doing wrong what you're doing good so that really that's really what helped me stay focused most of the time is just having that extended period of time viewing my teammates and just focusing on that film i had a lot of time to watch that film yeah who had a, a big impact on you throughout your high school career or even just throughout your athletic career that helped to maybe push you, help to make you figure things out at, at a higher level of thinking? Who who would you say stood out in terms of football? Yeah, in terms of football, I'd probably say like one of my like biggest helps as a coach was Coach Brewer. He's not here anymore. He, he left uh, at the end of my junior year to high school in Texas, but you know, he really kind of, I was, I will say like, I always was really like, like sound fundamentally player. Like I, I always had the fundamentals down, technique down, but mm-hmm. he really brought out the aggressive side on me, ag- aggressive side of me, you know, coming up for my freshman year, sophomore year, the whole hiatus. And then my junior year, you know, he really coached aggressiveness. He really coached uh, uh, how to be like a, like a nasty football player. That's the only way I know how to put it. But also he was kind of like a, he was a figure in my life. Like he was a role model. He's a really good person. He would always stick his neck, stick his neck out for us, stick up for us whenever we need it. He was always there whenever we needed it. Um, If we ever needed something, we could always call him. So yeah, Coach Brewer was really big uh, person in my life that uh, stood out and helped me, you know, achieve what I achieved. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Okay, cool. That, and that's, something that, you know, I, I'm sure he'd love to hear as well. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So in after, you know, playing for the cavemen, uh, it's not just about playing in the season. Obviously scouts can see that they can really check that out. I'd imagine Massachusetts wasn't like making trips down here often. So combines um, film, how did you get your name out there to field in some of these offers? Cause I know it wasn't just one college, right? No, I, I, had, I had several colleges, you know, some that the recruiting process is very long. And I had several colleges that, you know, we never got to the point where I got an offer. I, I got several colleges where I did have an offer. So really putting myself out there, it started my sophomore year. Like I said, I had a lot of time to watch the tape. And I was like, I might as well just make a highlight tape mm. and see where it goes. I made my Twitter. And in reality, like I tell, I tell like my teammates and I tell a lot of these guys that I play with, I, I like Twitter is probably one of the biggest tools you can use in recruiting. It really is. There's mm. like, there's not, there's like, there's no paid platform like NCSA or, or any other recruiting website that is better, any better than Twitter. Twitter is the best way to get out there. And I created my Twitter. I put my highlight tape out there. I found coaches. Um, what I would do like in like my early days of my recruiting is I would go to like a college I liked and that I like, like research or one that was close 
and I would go to their Wikipedia, not Wikipedia. I'd just go to their uh, Google page on like the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And I'd find my position coach and I'd find their Twitter, usually have their Twitter and the information oh. uh, part, part of their profile. And I'd just send in my film. And that's kind of how it went. I started getting my film out there, but it was really hard to get offered off of my sophomore film just because most of it was still JV. I, play, I only played about like four or five games, like I said, mm-hmm. on varsity. Whenever COVID, you know, kind of let up and we had our junior season in the spring, that's whenever I started uh, reaching out to more colleges with the film, the new film I was getting. And I had a pre- I had pretty good film coming into uh, uh, my senior year. I I reached out to a lot of coaches. Um, well, some reached out to me. I had a coaches from New York City, from Columbia University, reach out to me. Wow. Um, from the University of uh, Brown University. I had one from Fordham. I had a couple uh, universities up in New York. And then down here, you know, like the regional universities like UTPB and uh, Western New Mexico, Eastern New Mexico, all of them really reached out to me, uh, wanted me to get, yeah, I wanted me to go to camps. And Amherst, I really, I, um, I first kind of made contact with them. They had a, they had a coach who's, I think he was in Downford, Texas for another camp, but he came to this camp I went to in Abilene, at Abilene Christian. Yeah, and that's what kind of when I first kind of made contact with them, and then I started talking to the O line coach more. So that's whenever I really started to get into the recruiting process with them. But you know, I went to that camp at Abilene Christian, and that was that, that was really good for me as well. I got a lot of good film from there, like combine and one on ones. So really, just camps and getting myself out there on Twitter is how I marketed myself. What is it about linemen that really appeals? to scouts like obviously if you're if you're a big kid you're a strong kid it's very important but you know that's probably a a a dime a dozen to have a a a kid like that trying to be a lineman how did you would you say like footwork is number one to make you stand out would you say strategy how how did you find yourself at a um, a combine or find yourself at a camp and and getting more looks yeah so i think uh, like one of the more like physical attributes of like what makes us linemen stand out is measurables. And as much as I hate to say, like there's a lot of good players who are short, some who are tall, but I guess it's always, that's just how it is in football. Like the tall players get looked at more mm. and I had pretty good size. Like I, I yeah. was six and a half, six, four, uh, going into these combines. And whenever you see like a tall tackle tackles, usually be a little bit, a little bit taller that kind of sticks out to them, but they're, they're not going to offer you off the, off of your height. They have to see what you're about. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing for alignment to stand out is aggressiveness. Like, are you aggressive at the point of contact? Like, so you don't want alignment who's soft, who fires off and doesn't, you really don't see the aggressiveness in them. So just having that, that nasty first play in your highlight film or going to a combine and go to your one-on-ones and having that pancake block, that's something that'll really catch a, scouts high and then like and then the next thing is really like you said like the footwork the technique like how's your drop step can you pull can you uh do like a like a reach block like a zone block can you uh do just a base block how are you in the second level and a lot of that you'll see on film um the big the big thing is that scouts look for is like can you move for your size like can you reach that second level if he needs to, can he hook that D end or can he go up to that linebacker? 
Yeah, it's really how you compare against players who are faster than you, might be stronger than you, and just how you are at the point of contact that will really, uh, really catch a scout's eye. I found it interesting that you said the first play in your highlight reel is got. It's just got to be something that really stands out. It's got to be something that's almost uh, just incredible. Is that kind of what you use going forward, like going into it? That hey, they're probably only going to watch a little bit of it if they are bored. So we got to hook them. Is that kind of what the strategy is? Yeah, the first play of the highlight film is probably the most important because if you send your film to a college coach, like my mindset on it is they're going to open it. They're probably already going to have to see an ad that they don't want to see. Mm. Huddle doesn't have a skip button, so they are probably are going to be like, okay, I'm wasting my time with this. So that first play is super important because if it's something that really catches their eye, they're going to be like, okay, like, this is worth it. Like, let me see what this kid's about. Mm. And the first couple of plays, like, okay, this kid's nasty, a couple of pancake blocks. And if he sticks around, you know, you can see the other stuff to get into the second level, that pass protection. And that's what really catches, catches the scout's eye. Okay, that's a really cool strategy because some people will probably say, you know, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to save the best for last, but it only makes sense to put it at the beginning. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Ramon, you did not just, uh, you know, finish up football and decide I'm just going to be focusing on school. You're doing school and you're working part time at a bank as a teller. How did you get into that uh, business and and you know, are, are you looking at doing that throughout the summer or are you going to head to Massachusetts a little early? Yeah. So it's, uh, I started working at the bank, uh, around this past June, June of 2021. And it was, uh, there's a, there's a club in my school called BPA, uh, the business professionals of America. Mm -hmm. And part of the program is as a senior, you get to intern, uh, somewhere as, a, uh, during your senior year. So I chose, I chose the bank. I, I interviewed there. They liked me. They hired me. And during the summer, I was working as a BPA intern and I really got into it. Like I started learning. Uh, I, I learned a lot about not just about my job, but just the way like the financial sector works. Yeah, I, I became literate on a lot of stuff that I probably didn't wouldn't have known about before. So when it comes to money, I'm really good with money now. I can see, you know, how to manage some investments because the bank, our bank deals with that, like different types of investments and. It was a really cool job opportunity, but I had to leave it due to football. Uh, my hours during the summer were 10 to 5, and our practices, you know, they ran after school. So there was really no way I was going to be able to go um, go work there. And yeah. after football ended, I, I wasn't really doing it through BPA anymore. I just called the my old manager, and I was like, hey, like, do you have a job opening? And they're like, yeah, sure, of course. Like, We'd love to have you back. And now I'm working there again. I work two to five uh, on weekdays and Fridays. I work two to six whenever I have like a day off from school. I usually just go in there for the day. And it's a pretty good job. Like, like I said, I like it. I learn a lot from it. It really, it really gives back. Yeah, it really does. That's really cool. Um, all right. So I know that you are doing the job. You're doing school. You are currently nursing an injury right now. Can you tell me a little bit about like how that happened and what it is and how do you even work with it on yeah so it was uh it happened uh, before my football my football season started my senior year and 
it was like the the worst way, not the worst way, but the stupidest way I could have got this injury. I didn't get in the game. I didn't get in practice. So we were doing our summer camp, starting our two days in the, in the in late summer, early fall, about the beginning of August. And I was coming down the hill uh, by the main building of the high school. We were doing an obstacle course, so we were sprinting down it. And my left ankle just kind of got caught in this golfer hole and twisted oh. the wrong way. And I fell down and the thing, like my ankles just swole up like a balloon. So I I went the season, I, I was out for a game and then I came back, uh, played a couple games and uh, against Las Cruces High, I had this one play where um, I got some kid fell on my ankle. I was on the ground. Like it was, it was a goal line situation and I kind of t- retore the ligaments that I've been starting to heal. So mm. I kept playing after that, so I only missed two games due to it. But I went to the high school. Um, I went to the doctor after you know my high school football season ended, and they said that I would have to have surgery on it, um, just due to all my ligaments that have been torn. And it was there's no way of it healing properly by itself again. So they're going to have to go back in and reconstruct it. So I had that surgery in March. It sucked. I hated it. I hated being in a, in a cast for two weeks, and then yeah. I, had a, I had a little knee rover, which is pretty fun at times, but I, I really would <laughs> rather walk. It was pretty cool catching uh, wind down the hill with that thing, but <laughs> I really would have rather walked. But I now I'm walking again. I'll be in a brace on Monday, so I'm really looking forward to that. And working on it is honestly not that bad. I mean, I have, I have my own station. I have my chair. Uh, I really don't have to... Now that I'm walking, I, I can go anywhere, do whatever. Um, really, the only reason I would have to get up is if I needed to go to the drive through window to go help a customer with the transaction. But mm-hmm. we had enough space out there that I could do it with my my scooter, just kind of uh, maneuvering around. So yeah. it wasn't working with it. Honestly, it wasn't that bad. And if I needed to go fax something or go around the bank, someone else would do it. And it wasn't bad at all. But yeah, that was my injury. And it really sucked. Like during football season, I, I wasn't able to be as mobile as I wanted to at times. I wasn't, I was never really at 100% just starting yeah. off the season. So most of my like movement was like somewhat limited. Uh, sometimes some games would be better, better than others. But most of the time, like I would have like 60 to 70% like mobility just because of like my ankle injury and they really just eliminated me more than I more than I would have wanted for my senior year. Yeah. But hopefully I get to redeem myself in college. Uh, coming back from this, hopefully it'll be it'll be at 100% by the time I go to school in the fall. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that'll be nice for sure. Um, all right, so Massachusetts, Amherst in Massachusetts, uh, a Division three college. You're going to be a mammoth which is such a cool thing. Like I'm going to have to look up shirts and, and uh, check out their shop and stuff like that. But uh, so why did you choose Massachusetts and what do you know about it so far? Yeah. So, um, so Amherst is part of this like really prestigious like conference called the NESCAC. It's a New England small college athletic conference. And mm. these NESCACs have, like Amherst was founded in 18, 1820 and it's had like some pretty notable alumni. It's, like I said, the call the the conference is great. Like we play some really great competition. We play Tufts. If you heard of Tufts, mm-hmm. um, Middlebury. We play Williams College. So a lot of these prestigious schools up in the Northeast. Um, Amherst itself is a really great college. It's had a lot of, like I said, really great alumni. 
uh, Calvin Coolidge. He was a president. He went there. That's cool. Uh, we had a lot of, yeah, we've had a lot of <laughs> we had a lot of CEOs that's, that have gone through there. Um, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs. Really, we've had a lot of people go through there. And the alumni, they like to give back to the school. So the school has a really big endowment. And that means that whenever I go over there, I, I have like most of my school paid for just because of the, the endowment and the money that they're giving to, to the student athletes and to the students. Wow. That's really cool. So I guess, so, I guess the idea is you're kind of getting hooked up. So when you're done and you're a big time CEO or a professional NFL player, then you're going to have to turn around and give some back too, huh? Yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot of people that uh, donate to to Amherst. Uh, they have a they have a library that's pretty nice, the Robert Frost Library. Robert Frost is a poet who mm-hmm. taught there, and oh, then taught another there. Wow. Yeah, and then there was another poet. Uh, her name's Emily Dickinson. Okay, she was a student. She was a student, and she taught there as well. And wow. they have another. They have a museum named after her. So they also built like a new science center, and I'll be majoring in neuroscience over there. So. That was like one of the really cool things for me because their neuroscience center is or their science center because it encompasses all the sciences. It's only two years old, so it's really new and it's really nice. Like it's a pretty nice building. So I was really excited to like kind of go over there knowing that I'll probably spend most of my classes in there. You've got some serious plans, man. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it's funny that you said Emily Dickinson is, is such a prominent figure over there because uh, my wife's really into that. A TV show that I guess they came out kind of centered around her. So, um, but yeah, some big time notables, no doubt about it. Ramon, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I wish you the very best of luck moving forward. We'll have to stay, um, stay connected and, and I'll be checking in with you on your journey to Massachusetts and, and your college career. And I wish you a very speedy recovery. If you had to give one piece of advice to a young athlete that's that's aspiring to play at the next level, what would you say? You know, honestly, I think the biggest advice that I could give to any athlete is just believe in yourselves. There's going to be a lot of people throughout the process that, you know, you might think are there to help you, but they're really not. That it might put a damper on your aspirations. You know, it's it's good sometimes to get positive feedback, but at the same time, like, if someone tells you you can't go to college to play football, you're not good enough to go play football, prove them wrong. Like, believe in yourself. Like, bet on yourself. Because in reality, you're the only person you have that you know what you're capable of. Yep. So the biggest advice that I can give you is just believe in yourself and just listen to yourself, tune everything out, and prove everybody wrong. I love it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being on, and uh, wish you the best of luck. All right. Thank you very much. You have a good day, Trey.